Well, good morning. Today, our message is, why don't we pray part 10? Why don't we pray part 10? And this one is subtitles, Forgive Your Enemies. <clears throat> you know, um, so we've been talking about prayer. We've been talking about how, um, how prayer works. We're talking about the structure of prayer. Um, and just to quote Matthew chapter 6, verse 7 through 13, it says, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Uh, your kingdom come. You will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And it says, Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who trespass against us. And then it also says, Lead us not into temptation, into temptation but deliver us from the evil one. All right? So that's pretty much the breakdown of the prayer. The example prayer, we've talked nine hours on prayer. There's CDs. There's recordings, so we can go back and study it, so we don't have to go back um, today. We can continue on, but there's a ton, a wealth of knowledge and, and understanding and revelation on prayer in the last nine hours. Um, this one, we're going to focus on, Father, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. That's kind of what we're going to focus on today, um, and the importance of it, and the foundation of why it's so important to do that. Also... Um, so last time, if you missed it, what we talked about was leveling the house. Um, and I led with, we talked, I'm going to recap last time. <clears throat> we talked about the provision of, uh, we're talking about provision about give us this day our daily bread and how a lot of times we have this huge hyper prosperity teaching almost becomes an idolatry where people worship the things they have. Uh, and the only reason why they have God is as a wishing, wishing well, you know, um, and it's not really for the kingdom, it's for their own self gain. You see what I'm saying? And so that, that thing becomes almost like a God to them, you know? And then, you know, they start being mad at God when things don't go their way, all kinds of stuff, right? And, uh, but anyway, what we talked about last time was leveling the house. It's not about, it's not about the things you're getting or the prosperity. It's about seeking first the kingdom of God. And so the title last time was called Con What Consumes You, okay? The thing that has your heart, that's where your treasure is, all right? So whatever has your heart, that's where your treasure is. Wherever your heart is, that's where you're going. All right? Now, check this out. Uh, we talked about leveling the whole house. And we talked about how you have the cornerstone and how each um, stone is built on that. And I just talked to somebody yesterday about this, about, you know, this guy is an electrician, and he built this, uh, <clears throat> we were talking about what, what comes first. And he's like, well, i got to get these other things in order. But, dude, if you try to get all the other stuff in order, but you don't have the foundation down, there's no point. You wouldn't put electricity in a house without walls. You wouldn't put electricity in a house without a, 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 an actual foundation, you know, without building on top of it. So, sometimes those things that are in our hearts, sometimes God gives those things in our hearts, but those things are for later until we get the foundation correct. See what I'm saying? So, the same thing with the provision. So, I'm, I'm only recapping it last time, but I'm also talking about this because this is important. This cornerstone is Jesus himself. Okay, and there's some things that come with Jesus that are the foundation. So today, uh, the forgiveness teaching, this is foundation, what we're going to talk about today. This is like the foundation. I know it's the 10th hour in prayer, but it's actually the foundation for even the first teaching on, thank on, being, thank on being thankful. Why am I thankful? I'm worshiping God, because he forgave me, you know? This is the foundation of all things. Uh, this is the foundation of every promise you have from God. Um, so the leveling... <clears throat> we talked about how generational curses happen. 
and you know you got your little level when you build your your house everybody takes the level if you're a good carpenter if you're a good builder you always have a level okay this level is what you measure everything according to okay a good carpenter doesn't build anything on the house anything new on the house anything even one step more on the house unless he's leveled it if i have this wall built and that that wall is level i do not build this wall until i level it you know every single thing i do has to be leveled everything that i have every single thing that i do has to be has to go back to jesus you see jesus is the level this is it right here okay so if we don't have this level everything gets off this is how generational curses begin because i was telling this story last time about how my dad um he, he was a 20-year carpenter. He was working in the Navy, and he was a CB there for 20 years. And we'd go in a new house every three years, and we'd do remodeling every, every house we got. And we moved twice, twice every time we moved into a new, new city. So I moved about six times. We probably did 12 remodels. Okay, every single time we did models, remodels, my dad would always be upset with the previous guy who did the work there. He was like, man, this guy did this wrong. Okay? And the reason why is because my dad is, is you know, expert in his thing, and so... He sees all the flaws. He can see what's going on. He's like, man, this thing is all messed up. Okay? So here's how generational curses begin. You don't level, and then your son builds on top of what you built. That's a generational curse. See? So it's important to build now, get it in line. Sometimes you have to tear down something and then rebuild again. Okay? Why? Because my dad might have built wrong. And I built on top of what he built. You see? This is how generational curses begin. This is how we cancel generational curses in our life. We find out the things that are not level. We remove them. And we rebuild. It's good stuff. It's good work right here. All right? <clears throat> so, it begins with your heart. You have to re-level your heart. It's a heart issue. Everything is a heart issue. Okay? Um, last time we also learned about being consumed with Christ and his kingdom. Matthew 6.33 says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things you're worried about, all these anxieties you have, they'll just fall right into place. Okay? We've seen that multiple times. You know, we just seek the Lord. We do what he tells us to do. And everything we're worried about, just bam, 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 lines right up. Okay? Um, we used this example last time. If you're in the military, you don't have to worry about your food. They have a shower hall. You don't have to worry about your bed. They got a barracks. You don't have to worry about your medical. They've got TRICARE. Mm -hmm. Okay? You're always taken care of in the, in the army. Why? Because you're an asset to, the, to, their, to their advancement. So you're an asset to the kingdom of God. Amen. God doesn't want you to go hungry. The Bible says, the, 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 I've never seen the, righteous, the, the children of the righteous begging for bread. The reason why is God's not going to let us go hungry. He's not going to let us go without. He's going to always provide for us. He's always going to take care of us. As long as we put him first, it's always going to line up. Okay. Today we'll uh, go into forgiveness. So... Uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 9. Let's go there, okay? Matthew 5, verse 9. So this is the foundation. This is our level, man. This is our level, what we're talking about today. Um, Matthew 5, verse 9. <clears throat> Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Peacemakers. Equals the sons of of God. If we're always fighting, or if we're always picking fights, or if we're always being self-seeking, that's how we get quarrels. Um, man, uh, James, do you have a way to look up a scripture for me? 
All right, I need to look up a scripture that says, why is there quarreling among you? Is it not? Um, I don't remember what it is, but it gives the answer why they're quarreling, okay? And I have a feeling it's pretty good. So, um, Peacemakers. This is it right here, man. This, These are the children of God right here. Amen. Why? It's all about peace. My entire relationship as a son is built on peace. Amen. Okay, I can't be a son of God without peace with God. Want to know why we're not in peace? It's because we're not peace with God. You know, a lot of times we run around, man, we, we think, well, it's because I, I've lost everything. Or, well, because, well, sometimes we lose everything because we're not at peace. <laughs> you know, the real problem is right here. We are not at peace. Did you find it? James 4.1. Okay. James 4.1. <clears throat> what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? Woo! Come on. Jesus, I knew it was going to be good. <laughs> Come on! Ah! Man, is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have. You murder, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your own passions, you adulterous people. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes, that's hatred or being enemies with God. Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Amen. Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealousy over the spirit and is made to dwell inside of us? But he gives more grace. Therefore, it says God opposes the proud... But gives grace to the humble. Submit. That's a big word right here. Let me tell you this right here, dude. This this is the key to life right here. Submit. Okay? Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. What's that mean? I want this, and I want this. I'm at war. Come on. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. That's a good word. Man, that's a... Whoo, that's really good. <clears throat> Do not speak evil against one another. Brothers, the one who speaks evil against a uh, brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But you judge the law. You are, uh, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is only one lawgiver and judge. He who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbors? This is good. All right. So we're talking about being at war here. You know? People get upset and, and they're not being peacemakers. The reason why they're not peacemakers is because they have passions at war within them. Okay? You can never have peace if you're at war. Think about that. If your passions are at war within you, you can never have peace. Amen. So, here's what you have to do. You have to kill. You have to kill this part of you that has evil passions. Matthew 7 talks about this. I mean, not Matthew 7, Romans 7. Let's go to Romans 7 real quick. For I do not understand my own actions. For I do not know, I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. In other words, I know there's a law within me that tells me to do right. It's God. He's speaking to me. Every single person has that. It's called a conscience. Everybody knows the right thing. Sometimes they don't know 
how to explain the right thing. Sometimes they don't, they just know something's wrong. You know? You know how they know something's wrong? Because they're in pain. Mm -hmm. Alright. You know, a lot of times we think that pain is a bad thing. Pain is not bad. Pain is not bad. Pain just tells you something's wrong. Without pain, how could you ever know something was wrong? Amen. If you didn't know there's something wrong, how can you change? It's a good word. Say that again. Pain is not bad. If you didn't know, if you didn't have pain, you wouldn't be able to tell that there was something wrong. If you didn't know there was something wrong, you wouldn't know that it's time to change. <coughs> pain is God's gift to man. It's a, it's a thermostat. It's a thermometer, I should say. It tells you. It's a reading. It's a meter. It tells you, man, something's got to give. Now, sometimes we don't know what to do. That's when we run to God because he is, he's, the, he's the perfect. Jesus is the perfect wisdom of God. Put this in your bank right here. Jesus is the perfect wisdom of God. We're in pain. We don't know what to do. Go to Jesus. He says right here, cast your cares upon me. All you who are weary and heavy laden, put your burdens on me. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light, declares the Lord, right? Jesus is the perfect wisdom of God. <clears throat> Something's got to give. We're, we're not at peace inside of us. You know? We're, why? Because we're, our passions are at war. We're at pain. We're in pain. The reason why we're in pain... It's because we have a war passion, a passion war inside of us, you know? Check this out. There's got to be a, a point where we want peace with God. Mm -hmm. Okay, let me, let me, let me explain. Look, something's happening right now. Check this out. I'm going to write this down. It's hitting me right now. You, you have passions. Here's what happens. You have passions at war. In other words, you know something's wrong. You don't know what's wrong. You just know something's wrong, you know? Something's wrong, you just don't know what is wrong. Passions are at war. Then you experience pain, okay? <clears throat> There's no peace, okay? Pain, no peace because of this war. This tells you, hey, Something has to change. This is a point where you're humbled by life. And you're just like, this sucks. I don't know why, but it sucks. Right? You don't know why. You can't explain it. You don't have the wisdom or understanding to tell why. You know what I mean? You just know it just stinks. I'm trying to figure it out. So you get humbled. Scripture says those who humble themselves will, will be exalted. All right? This is a good point. To be at. Mm -hmm. Even though it sucks. Bad. <laughs> <laughs> this is a very, 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 very good place, man, to be right here. Even though it hurts. Look, look, if you are on the operating table and you have a heart problem and your chest is open, you're going to be in pain and you're going to be exposed and it's going to be uncomfortable, but it is the best place to be. And growth can occur. Otherwise, you're going to die of a heart attack. Right? Alright, check this out. At this point now, 
We have to realize we're in no peace. The reason why we're not at peace is because of sin. We don't understand sin necessarily. We just know something's wrong, okay? That sin makes me not at peace with God. When I find out that Jesus removes my sin, check this out. Jesus removes my sin. Now I can have peace with God. And there's a desire in me that begins to override this other desire. It doesn't mean that other desire ever goes away. The reason why you live, the reason why is because you live in your body, and your body wants to do some things, okay? But there's a part of you that's sold out. It's like, man, I'm done. It's over. I've got to win. I've got to have this peace. So we have peace with God through the blood of Jesus, okay? And so through that knowledge, we understand that we have peace with God now. And he gives me a new identity, and this new identity, now I have peace with God. Watch this, blessed are the peacemakers. And now because of this peace that I've received from God, now I want to bring peace everywhere I go. Okay? It's kind of like lighting a candle. I didn't have the light. Put the light on the candle. Now I walk into the room, I brought that same light that was given to me into another room. See? So when you're given peace, now you distribute peace. Why? Before, why was there quarreling among you? Because you had no peace inside you. Amen. You can't give something to anybody else that you don't have. Mm -hmm. If your passions are at war on the inside of you, you cannot give peace to anyone around you. That's why all the relationships suffer. That's why every marriage will fail. Because you're not at peace on the inside. You have to have peace on the inside in Christ. Your very identity. Why is it so important to have peace with God? He's the one who created you. He was the one who defines you. Like if you're not at, Look, if you're not at peace with your definition. You'll always be confused. Amen. I'm going to say that again. If you're not at peace with your very definition, if you're at war against your very definition, you'll never, you'll always be confused. Always be confused. So, when I get at peace with God, I have a revelation of my new identity with God. Or I start growing in it, I should say. I mean, I have a perfect revelation. But I start to grow in, in knowledge of Christ and who I am in Him. <coughs> I gain knowledge. Check this out. Scripture says in first, I think it's first Peter or second Peter. Can you double check the reference for me, James? Um, about um, I think it's second Peter. Um, talking about may you grow in grace, may more grace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of Christ. I believe it's second Peter verse chapter one. But as I know Christ. I will grow in grace. This is so cool. Check this out. God says he exalts the humble. James 4 says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Grace. So in the knowledge of Christ, 2 Peter 1-2. 1-2. 2 Peter 1-2. So, I humble myself before the Lord. Immediately I begin to receive grace from God. Grace to overcome this sin right here. Mercy for my sin Grace to overcome. Jesus removes that sin. A new identity comes and I have a peace with God. I start having revelation about my identity with Him and knowledge. In knowledge I grow in even more grace. And that grace is what empowers me to overcome in my life. This is important right here. Grace is the power to overcome. Let me describe grace to you real quick in a, in a simple illustration. <coughs> Mercy and grace are two different things. Let's say you owe you know $25,000 in debt. okay, And somebody pays your $25,000 in debt. That's called mercy. Okay? 
But grace is when the same guy gives you a hundred thousand dollar business or a million dollar business. You know, he buys you five thousand dollars worth of tools, three thousand dollar trailer, a fifty thousand dollar truck, and immediately has five men on the crew. You know, that's grace. Well, grace is the when somebody empowers you and equips you and teaches you and trains you and sets you up for success to never go back into debt again. Okay, that's grace. Grace says this. Oh, there's an obstacle in my way. Oh, but I have all the tools to overcome. That's grace. Grace doesn't forgive your sin. Mercy cancels the debt. The debt was canceled. But grace says here's a brand new life, brand new start. I'm giving you all this to get started. People trample on it all the time. Mm-hmm. Okay? And they squander their inheritance. We're going to stop squandering our inheritance. We've got to be wise. That's why it's important to grow with it. Don't expect to get it all at once. That's whenever lack of wisdom causes squandering. God promotes slowly. He sees that you're faithful with a little, and then gives you even more. See? Mm-hmm. All right, so now, so going back down this, passions are at war. We're in pain. We realize something has to change. We're humbled. We go before God. He gives us grace. He forgives us of our sins. We get a new identity. Our knowledge of ourselves begins to change. Amen. I have a new understanding of my definition. I'm now the righteousness of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says, I'm the righteousness of God. I don't remember exactly. It's 5, starting in verse 14. I like to read like multiple verses, so I never memorize the actual verse. Just a chapter? <laughs> <coughs> Just read that whole chapter, you'll love it. Alright, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I am the righteousness of God. Alright, when I begin to know that I am the righteousness of God, I realize I can overcome anything. Because it wasn't by my own doing, it was by Him. You know? Now I'm at peace. Alright, so now I'm at peace with who I am. I'm the righteousness of God. So if somebody comes up to me and starts saying something to me, picking a fight, does it really even matter anymore? Oh, I know who I am. I'm the righteousness of God. You can say all you want about me. Because guess what? You don't define me. See, the only time... Check this out. The only time it matters when somebody else says anything about you, is the only time that matters, is whenever you believe them. Amen. And it only matters whenever you actually give them any kind of weight in your life. You know? So this is why Luke chapter 14 says, You must hate your mother, hate your father, hate your brother, hate your sister, hate your wife, hate your children, hate even your own self. Deny yourself. Why? Because you don't know yourself either. Your own opinion about you sucks. So stop believing yourself. Because you don't know better. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And we've been listening to the lies of the world all our life. Everybody else around us defining us. Saying you're not going to amount to anything. You suck. Or whatever. You know what I mean? We have to stop believing what people say about us. We have to start believing what God says about us only. He is the creator. Check this out. He's the creator. He created you. Wouldn't it make sense to only go to the one who defined you in the beginning to find out who you were? Quit running to people. They don't know anything about you. They don't know nothing. God knows you. He knows you in and out. He knows why he made you. He knows every little tick. He knows every little personality trait. He knows why you are the way you are. He made you. So we got to go to him. Let him define me. And he says some pretty awesome stuff about me. If I humble myself and submit to him. If I... You know what arrogance is? Arrogance is just whenever you take your opinion about yourself and you exalt it above everyone else's opinion. Arrogance also is deep-rooted insecurity. Usually you don't believe yourself. 
So you need everybody else to affirm it. Hey, I'm pretty awesome. What do you think? Aren't I awesome? You want everybody else to agree with you. If they don't agree with you, then you never really believe it about yourself anyway. So you try to get everybody else to say good stuff about you, but that's not good because you're never going to believe them anyway. Because they're not the ones who define you. That's why we can never get out of that. We're always so insecure. When we humble ourselves before the Lord and say, I don't know jack squat. I don't know what God says about me. I'm going to submit myself to him. Let him define me. When he defines me, then I have a totally different perspective of my life because he actually matters and nobody else does. And when I start to believe what he says about me, and I start to embrace that thing that he says about me, then I become very confident. Amen. And it's not arrogance. It's actually humility. Amen. I'm, when I humble myself before the Lord, he teaches me who I am. And that's, the scripture says, God exalts those who humble themselves. So if I humble myself before the Lord, he will exalt me. Make sense? It's good stuff. All right, check this out. So, <clears throat> this is all important for being a peacemaker. I know that we haven't even gotten to this part yet. Building up to it. This is important though. It's all important for becoming a peacemaker. How can you ever make peace with somebody who hates your guts unless you already knew who you were? If all your weight and your anchor is in Christ, you come into a situation where everybody's slandering the snot out of you and it doesn't matter. I don't, it doesn't matter. Look, you can be saying all that stuff you want to say about me. You can hate my guts, but it doesn't matter because I'm loved. And I love you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I love you. Why? Because I have something to give to you. See, you know why? Check this out. When you start realizing who you are in Christ and you start going around those messed up people, you realize why they're messed up. And you have compassion. You look at that person who's all messed up and you're like, man, why is he yelling at me like that? Well, I know why. Because he's in pain. Amen. I don't know why. His passions are at war. He has no peace. He doesn't know who he is. But I do. That's why I can be a peacemaker. Amen. So I'm going to go to this guy. I'm going to have compassion. I can forgive my enemies. Because they just don't know who they are. And guess what? They're in the same boat I was. Christ died for me when I was his enemy. For God demonstrated his own love towards, towards us. That while we were enemies with God, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Amen. He was the ultimate peacemaker. And if we are peacemakers, we become sons of God like Jesus is the son of God. Amen. What do we do? If you want to be my disciple, Jesus says, pick up your cross and follow me. Why? You're going to go to these guys over here that have passions at war to your enemies. You're going to bring priests to them and it may kill you. But you lay down yourself, knowing who you are in him. I have something to offer. I have peace. Hey, you might think I'm nothing, but I know who I really am, man. And you don't know what you're missing out on. Let me just love you. <laughs> you know? Check this out. <clears throat> Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the sons of God. They are sons of God. That's how they can be a peacemaker. You can't be a peacemaker unless you are a son of God. Matthew 5, verse... 43, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Matthew chapter 5, verse 44, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. For he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? 
And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? You therefore must be perfect, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Jesus is defining what perfection is right now. What's perfection? Loving your enemies. Come on. Woo! You know why the devil can't get it right? You don't know how to love. That's right. Look, the devil knows the law backwards and forth, backwards and forward. Scripture says the devil knows he stands before God judging us, accusing the brethren. The word Satan literally means accuser. Revelation says the accuser of the brethren will be thrown into the lake of fire. <clears throat> God, uh, Jesus looks at the Pharisees and says, your father is the devil. He was a murderer from the beginning. See, the Pharisees kept the law like crazy. They were all about the law. They were all about doing right. But they were also about judging and condemning other people and having them all die for their sin. And Jesus says, that's not the heart of God. Now, don't get me wrong. God is the judge and he will judge sin. But the, the true heart of God is mercy. It's to give you relief from your sin. Hmm? Jesus. Jesus. Jesus is the heart of God. Accuser of the brethren. Satan is the accuser of the brethren. So, Jesus says, your father was the devil. He was a murderer from the beginning. And he says, if your righteousness does not exceed that of the Pharisees. They were pretty awesome as far as this laws was, the law was going. He wasn't talking about being able to keep the law. You know what Jesus did after that? He upped the ante. He said, you know what? If you're not more righteous than them, you won't inherit the kingdom of God. And then he goes, let me show you how serious I'm talking about. See, they're, they look good on the outside, but on the inside, they're dirty. So if you look at a woman with lust, you commit adultery. Amen. So Jesus, he increased the severity of the law. He didn't actually remove the law. He made it worse. If you call somebody an idiot, you commit murder in your heart. Mm -hmm. So Jesus is upping the ante. He actually makes it worse. All the more need to have Jesus, all the more need for him. Because see, God doesn't just judge my deeds, he judges my heart. See? So he says, look, they had a heart issue. See, that's the problem with the devil, man. He knows the law backwards and forward. He knows right and wrong. And he's going to try to get you every time. He's going to try to make you pay every single time. But he has no mercy. So all the people that, hey, man, you know, well, you're not doing it right. Well, if you don't have mercy, you don't have the heart of God. Yeah, God wants justice, but he also wants mercy. Ezekiel says he desires none, that none of the wicked should perish, but they should repent and live. All right, check this out. This is good stuff. <clears throat> Therefore, you must be perfect. See, perfection doesn't mean you can keep the law. Perfection means that you understand mercy. Perfection isn't being able to do every little thing perfectly. Being able to do enough, being able to quit enough. Perfection has to do with mercy. Having the heart of God. The kindness of the Lord leads to a man to repentance. So why do I not want to sin anymore? It's not because I'm a fearful. I don't want to sin anymore because I love Jesus. Amen. I love God. I love what he did for me. I love the fact that he forgave me. But I don't want to go back to my old man. I don't want that no more. He loved me so much. He paid such a high price for me. I don't want to go back. I owe my life, not because he demanded it. I owe my life because he deserves it. It's good stuff. Mm. Luke chapter 6. But I say to you, Luke chapter 6, verse 27 through 49. This will be this will challenge this stuff out of you. Let me write this down here. Luke. Chapter 6. <coughs> verse 27. 27. 
through 49. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. To the one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from the one who takes your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, so do to them. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. He's trying to define the difference between a son of God and one who's not. If you're a child of the king, this is what makes you a child of the king, that you love your enemies. If you have a problem loving your enemies, you have a weak gospel, you may be questioning whether or not you even have Jesus. Because Jesus loves his enemy, which was you. I love what Todd White says. You want them to get what they deserve? You want to get what you deserve? Go to hell then. You know? It's truth, man. We deserve to go to hell. But Jesus died for me. Rose again. Took away my sin. Gave me a new life. Because he loves me. And he has mercy on me. I say this all the time, man. You don't understand mercy until you understand what judgment really is. We stop judging, man. We gotta stop bringing. Stop giving people what we didn't get. And you didn't pay for our life too. Yeah. <laughs> pay for it here. Yeah, we pay for it here and there. <clears throat> we might have to explain that later. Uh, check this out. To the one who strikes you, where was that? And and as you wish to others do to them, right? If you love those who love you, what benefit is that? So we're at uh, for even sinners do the same. And if verse tw- thirty four, I love this one. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. What's that saying? When you lend to somebody, just don't expect it back. Freely give. It was freely given to you, so you should freely give. Verse 35. But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. He also told them a parable. Can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into the pit? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. This is good. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that's in your own eye? You know, we're going to get through this here. I'm going to teach you something about this. So a lot of people misinterpret this. They think don't ever judge. It's not what it's saying. It's saying judge yourself first. Then when you see clearly, you will be able to help your brother. Why do, you speck, why do you see the speck that's in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that's in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, Brother, let me take that speck out of, that's in your eye, when you yourself see, don't see the log that's in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take out the speck that is in your brother's eye. I want you to hear the heart behind this. You can't, why can't you get the speck out of your brother's eye? Because you can't see. It's not a matter of whether or not you're ever supposed to help get your brother's speck out. It's the fact that you can't see clearly. Get the log out of your eye, and then that qualifies you. Jesus isn't saying it, you're never qualified to help the speck. He doesn't never say that. Jesus doesn't say that. But so many people say that. 
Oh, don't judge. Jesus says don't judge. No, he says see clearly so you can help your brother. <laughs> judge yourself first. That, this scripture does not mean don't ever judge. It means judge yourself first. It doesn't tell you, teach us not to judge. It teaches us how to judge. This passage does not, let me say that again. This passage does not teach us not to judge. It teaches us how to judge. How do I judge? <coughs> Beginning with self. I will tell you this. If you are judging yourself, then you are qualified to help. If you are not judging yourself, then you are not qualified to help. That's it. You don't have to be perfect? No. Because what, what is perfection? Mercy. Come on. <laughs> oh, come on. Perfection is love and mercy. You don't have to be perfect to get the speck out of your brother's eye. All you have to do is judge yourself first. Begin with self. Then you will have mercy to be able to help. Amen. You'll be perfect when you do this. This is perfection right here. You humble yourself. God gives you grace when you humble yourself. He exalts you. Now you're qualified. It's good stuff. Then you will see clearly to take out the speck that is in your brother's eye. For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear... And that's... I'm going to stop right here. Let's go back to this. <coughs> this is why when you're struggling with something, it's important to go help other people. After you get some help, now you go help. Amen. Don't ever say, well, I'm not supposed to judge. That's how you have generational curses. You know, you know why we have sexual promiscuity so bad in America? Because back in the 70s or whatever, those parents that were becoming parents at the time were sleeping around mm -hmm. and they were embarrassed. So they didn't talk to their kids about it. Mm -hmm. So the next generation just went rampant. Mm -hmm. Why? Because they were ashamed. No, deal with it. Repent. Then talk about it. For no good tree bears good. Uh, bear, uh, bear, uh, for no good tree bears bad fruit. Nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of his mouth, out of the abundance of his heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Say that again. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So whatever is coming out of your mouth is what you believe. If you can't speak life, then you don't believe in life. That's why we have to say it. And faith comes by hearing, so it's a double whammy. Even if you don't believe it, you should say it. Because when you say it, you hear it. When you hear it, it builds faith. So you just keep saying it until you believe it. Keep saying it until you believe it. Keep saying it until you believe it. And then out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. And you'll really believe it. And you'll really be saying it. Out of the abundance of the heart, what does that mean? That means it's overflowing. How do you get something overflowing? You fill it up. Amen. You fill your heart up with the abundance of something good. Instead of the abundance of something evil. That's why it's so good to be in a good environment. You are a product of your environment. So if you're in a bad environment, you get flooded with evil. And then out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks evil. But if you're in a good environment, you get flooded with good. And that abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks good. It's so good. You know? If I start pouring diesel on my garden, everything's going to die. But if I start pouring water, I'm a product of my environment. Product. Hmm? Life. Yeah. Love. 
Luke chapter 6, verse 46 through 49. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you? Hey, you just call me boss, master, owner of your life, but you don't do what I ask you to do. That happens a lot. Why do you call me? Hmm? Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you? Can't tell you how many times I've poured into somebody's life who called me teacher, and they just didn't do what I told them, and they kept failing. Hey, you know what the definition of insanity is? Come do the same thing again and again, expecting different results. Hey, you know, you're going to have a big knot on your head, and eventually your head's going to split open from busting your head against that wall. You know? <laughs> Gotta do what I tell you. You know? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and doesn't... Jesus is the teacher, by the way. I just study my teacher, you know? So I, I always say this, too. You know, it's not about Zach or your pastor or your... They're not the light, man. They're, they're, they're the light. Jesus says Matthew 5, 14, you are the light of the world. So I am the light of the world. But Jesus is the light of the world. He's the master light of the world. <clears throat> you know? If this light bulb over here is shining and this light bulb... It says, hey, I need some light, and comes over here and tries to rub up against that light bulb. Is it ever going to get any light in it? No. Say, like, hey, I need, I, need, I need some light. I need some light. Please give me some light. That light bulb cannot give that light bulb any light. It can shine light on the light bulb, and the light bulb can say, I'm not doing something right, but you are. How can I, how can I get what you got? And that light bulb can say, hey, there's this little cord, this little socket I'm hooked up to. That's hooked up to the, the, the cord in the, in the wall. Bam, that's where the electricity's come. That's what you need, buddy. Amen. And that light bulb says, hey, maybe I need to plug in too. Well, let me teach you. I can teach you how to plug in. I can't teach, I can't give you that electricity, but I can teach you how to plug in. Let me teach wow. you how to plug in. Let's go screw that in. Boom. Light comes on. All right. So we're all little lights here. I'm a little light bulb. You know, I'm the light of the world. You're the light of the world too. You just, not, you just might not be plugged in. You got to get plugged in. Don't plug into me. I ain't enough. Amen. Don't get plugged into your teachers. Your teachers aren't enough. Don't get plugged into your wife. She's not enough. Don't get plugged into your friends. They're not enough. They'll never give you what you need. It's not possible. They don't have the energy or the resource to give you what you actually need. What you actually need is Jesus. Woo. You know? You hook up to him and it's always enough. People will say to me, man, Zach, you're going to burn out. No, I can't burn out because nobody's taking nothing from me. Mm-hmm. Now, if I have a Messiah complex... And think that I am the savior of the world. And I start giving you, giving you of myself. Yeah, I will burn out quickly. But if I realize I am not the Messiah. If I realize I am just a light bulb shining you on you. So you can find out what you need. And showing you how to plug up. I will never run dry. Because you're never taking nothing from me. Mm-hmm. I'm just telling you how to get there. See? Make sense? That's how you don't burn out. When we start, here's when people burn out, when they think people, when they really need people to need them. I need you to need me because it makes me feel special. I need you to need me because it makes me feel powerful. Stop it. Jesus makes you powerful. People needing you doesn't make you powerful. People needing you just drains the crap out of you. Mm -hmm. You know? (laughs) They need Jesus. You know? So, all I do is teach people how to get plugged up to the one that really can meet all their needs. Why do you call me Lord and do not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he's like. He's like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, a stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been built well. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell and the, and the ruin of that house was great. <coughs> Jesus is that foundation. We talked about that earlier. 
He's the foundation of our forgiveness. So we're supposed to forgive our enemies because Jesus forgave me and I was his enemy. It begins with that. Forgiveness with God, then it leads to forgiveness with my family. Why? I have something to give now. You know? Like if you don't have anything to give, you're never going to be able to give anything. I can only give what I got. So if I didn't get anything, how can I give it? I got to get it from him first. Once I give that forgiveness from him, I have peace. Now I can go to my family. I can make peace. But I can't go to my family ever and have peace until I'm completely at peace with him. And the moment I step out of peace is the moment my peace with my family suffers. And you can come in and out of that. There's an eternal peace, but then there's also a daily walking peace. This is where you have your... <coughs> we talk about this quite a bit. Body, soul, spirit. Hey, look, this guy's right here. He's a chump. Okay, don't ever listen to him. Okay? He's, he's messed up. Okay? This guy right here, he only does what he's told. So he's a pushover. This guy right here, born again, alive, set free. All right? If this guy's a bully, this guy sets you free. All right? This guy, he's a pushover. He's only going to do what this thing tells him to do. Okay? So when this thing's hurting, he's like, I need to do something different. He's screaming out, God! Spirit of God says, hey, I can help you. Just do this. Body says, hey, maybe I should go to church. Soul says, oh, hey, I can hear that. That's good. Mm, that's real good. Spirit says, yes! And guess what? It's two against one. This guy loses. Hey, man. Watch this right there. Okay? Two against one. You're a three-part being. Body, soul, spirit. What is a soul? This is your mind. Clarify that. Okay? I should have said that at the beginning. Soul is at the, the soul is your mind. Okay? This is why you have internal struggles. Because the good in you wants to do good. But this mind is carnally minded. He's only been fed bad stuff all the time by this guy. Like I said, he's a pushover. If this guy starts feeding him the word, he becomes strong. Scripture says in Galatians chapter 5, if I set my mind on the things of the spirit, I will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Hmm. See, I just gave you a key. Set my mind on the things of the spirit. What does that mean? Get my scripture out. Start spending time with the Lord daily. See, it's what's your product of your environment. So all this is wrapping up in the same thing. If my, if my body receives into my mind the word of God... It builds my soul up to be spiritually minded. Two against one wins every time. Two against one wins every time. Okay? If this guy... Watch this. Everybody go to Psalm chapter 1. Counsel the wicked. Watch this. Psalm chapter 1 verse 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. It means you're walking with somebody. Could be yourself. Could be the devil. Could be anything your body's been receiving. Where does counsel reside? Counsel can only be harbored in the soul. It's in the mind. Counsel. Now, counsel will come from a mouth many times, but it doesn't have to. It can come from the devil, straight in your spiritual ears. And in your soul, you're hearing the counsel of the wicked. Blessed is he who's not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the 
way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Watch this. But his delight. Watch this. I'm going to tell you why I know this counsel is all in your mind. It's not just what you hear. It's what you're thinking. Watch this. But his delight is on the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates. Where does meditate? Where does meditation reside? Right here in the mind. So the counsel of the wicked, blesses man does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. I mean, think about it. You're walking in the counsel. It doesn't say sit in the counsel. Walking. Look, when I'm walking, I'm thinking. You see what I'm saying? I'm having deep thought. I'm talking about the counsel of the wicked. Walking in the counsel of the wicked. Blessed is he who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, but his delight means he desires. It was what tastes good to him. His delight, his good pleasure, is in the law of the Lord, which is his word. Look, it's in the word of God. Look, I'm going to tell you this right here. The word of God will set you free. Mm -hmm. The word of God will set you free. On his law, or his word, he meditates day and night. Meditates day and night. That means This means that you're so consumed with the thought of this word that you dream about it. Have you ever done something so much that you dreamt about it? Have you ever been consumed by anything that caused you to dream about it? I know that if you've ever been like me, had any kind of addiction, I know you had dreamt about some stuff that you were consumed with. Think about that. Don't walk in that council. You consume yourself. You delight. You look. Woo. Think about this though. The thing you delight in, that's the thing you think about all the time. It's good stuff. <coughs> <laughs> Meditating day and night because you ain't sleeping. <laughs> but look, we're talking about, I remember when I was working at CC's Pizza. I worked 80 hours a week there and I'd go to sleep Dreaming about pizza. <laughs> Calling pizzas out. I'm sleeping. Barbecue pizza on the buffet. Yeah. <laughs> CZ's. Welcome to CZ's. Come back and see us. You know, and I'm, I'm, I'm calling out. Hey, we need some tea in my dreams, you know. And my wife's waking up. Hey, you're talking in your sleep. You know. Why? Because I was so consumed with my job that when I went to sleep, I was still working. Still working at CZ's. Eat, breathe, dream, sleep. Seasons, you know? So, what we got to do is we got to get to the point where we delight in the Word of God and meditate on it so much in the day. Constantly thinking about it. It consumes my thoughts. It consumes me like a fire, completely overtaking me. So I'm burnt to a crisp. And I'm still cold at night. Still burning. Still burning. Ain't no, maybe there's not no flame. But my, my coals are burning red hot throughout the night. Got to be consumed with the Word of God. Don't you? If you're thinking about the Word of God, you can't be thinking. I used to think about this, huh? You know, because I, I struggled with pornography. <clears throat> the Lord would tell me, Zach, you know, if you just kept your eyes up, you would never have your eyes looking down. Amen. That's just a simple truth. Right. You know? We'll be looking down on anything. You shouldn't be looking down. Just looking up. You know? So I have to fix my eyes. It's, it's a fixing of my eyes. It's a fixing of my heart. Hmm. Where's that scripture that talks about the eyes are the, are the lamps of the body? Yeah. 
I think it's Matthew chapter 5. You are already looking for it, huh? Hey, <laughs> Holy Spirit. Ah, this is a lamp to the body. I think it's Matthew, Matthew chapter 6. 6 22. Matthew 6, 22. Fixing my eyes. Look at this. We just talked about this yesterday. Uh, last, last time we talked, actually. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, right? What did you say? 6 what? 6.22. Watch this. Verse 19 says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy, when where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Look at, it. Oh, look at all this. This is so cool. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So what are you? what's consuming your thoughts? That's where your heart is. Amen. If you're in one place and your heart's way over here, that's why people say, hey, where are you at? <laughs> hey, where are, you, where are you right now? Well, my heart's over here right now. I'm thinking about this. Mm -hmm. I'm not in, you're not even in the room. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also... If you're in church, but your heart is in the world, if your treasure is the world, you'll be sitting through church and you won't hear a word. Church, stay home. Yeah. You're, still not, you're not here. Where your treasure is, where your delight is, see? Where your treasure is, there's your heart. It's good stuff. you got to be consumed with God. Psalm chapter 1. Check this out. Go back there. <coughs> Psalm chapter 1. For his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on it he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and its leaf does not wither. You ever felt like you're withering away? It's because we're not hooked up. You know? And you're withering away. It's, dude, there's no better way to describe depression and discouragement and pain than to say wither. Withering away. We wither away because we're not connected. We wither away because we step out of where we're supposed to be. We don't have our eyes focused. We're not delighting in the law. We're not delighting in the word of God day and night. We begin to wither. It's like removing. When you're not delighting in the word of God day and night, you begin to wither. It's like chopping up a, you know. Like being a desert. Desert with no water. It's like chopping off a, a rose from a from a rose bush. It's a matter of time before it dies. Got to keep it hooked up. See? It withers away. It means that it's lost its life source. That yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like shaft. The wind drives away. In other words, they're just tossed to and fro everywhere. No stability everywhere. House hopping. You know? Speaking some language here now. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous, for the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. We gotta be planted, rooted. Rooted. Why? How do you get rooted? It says that man is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season. How do you do that? 
by delighting in the word of God day and night. Be consumed with it. You can't sow shade. It's what surrounds the wheat. You can't sow it? Uh-uh. Okay. It has to be taken off. Oh, it has got to be taken off. Yeah. So you get circumcised in the heart. That's really good. Circumcising that heart, baby. Mmm. So what title of the message was Forgive Your Enemies. But I think we talked about a whole lot more than just forgiving your enemies. But I think it was a good word. So forgiving your enemies. We talked about not just forgiving your enemies. We talked about how, how important it was to be hooked up. You can't forgive your enemies if you're not hooked up. You know? If you can't forgive your enemies, you have a weak gospel. In fact, you probably don't even have the gospel. Because the gospel is all about forgiving enemies. You were an enemy. God forgave you. So if you can't return the favor, you might not have anything to give. Gotcha? Praise the Lord. Awesome. Thank you, Jesus, for this message. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that we will forgive our enemies. We'll know who we are in Christ. That we'll stay connected to the vine, Father. That we will stay connected to your word that gives us the life source. That we'll stay connected and we'll know who we are in Christ. And we'll never be able to burn out, Father, in the name of of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to the Bold as a Lion ministry podcast. For additional teaching, prayer, information, or support, please visit our website at www.boldasalignministries.com. Subscribe to our Facebook for updates on what God is doing in our ministries and our YouTube page for updated teachings hosted at the Barracks Discipleship and Recovery House. For weekly refreshing word, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, or Podomatic. We pray strength and blessing for you and yours and for the courage to walk boldly for God.